0: Hey everyone, it's Abadesi, your host of today's Product Hunt Radio, where I'm joined by the founders, investors, and makers that are shaping the future of tech. On this episode, I chat with Ben Halpern, creator, founder, and webmaster of Dev2, an online community where programmers share ideas and help each other grow. He runs it alongside two other co-founders, Jess Lee and Peter Frank. In this episode, we talk about transitioning from side hustle to full-time founder, his top tips on growing and engaging an online community, the advantages of working from home and having a remote team, as well as open source and peer-to-peer technology. We also discuss his favorite products, LastPass, Tile app and Measure app. But before we jump in, let's give a shout out to our sponsors.
1: If you are a writer, graphics designer, painter, musician, or some other breed of creative, your job is to turn ideas into products for your customers. Unfortunately, menial tasks like invoicing and expenses can steal time away from your creative process. FreshBooks invoicing and accounting software for creative professionals is the solution. It basically has no learning curve and on average saves users up to 192 hours a year. Set up your accounts and start invoicing in just minutes, track expenses and take photos of receipts with the mobile app, track time to record every billable hour, and automation is built in to save you even more time. Right now, get a free 30 day trial of FreshBooks, no credit card required. Go to FreshBooks.com slash product hunt and enter product hunt radio in the How Did You Hear About Us section. As some of you may know, in addition to my day job at Product Hunt, I also invest in early stage startups thanks to Angelus Venture Fund Services. In 2017 I prepared a deck, some money from friends and people i've worked with over the years to bootstrap my first fund i raised money and capital from lps and angelus handled everything else providing a dedicated account manager a real-time dashboard to manage my portfolio and valuations tools to keep my lps up to date and all the tax and accounting overhead they make it super easy for me to move quickly while still relatively new angelus has already hosted over 130 venture funds which can range as small as $500,000 to tens of millions of dollars under management. And as a fund manager, your job is to simply find great entrepreneurs and choose who to invest in. Everything else is handled. If you're interested in starting a fund, learn more at angel.co slash venture funds, or drop me a line at ryan at and I'd be happy to help.
0: So Ben, thanks so much for being with us today. Um, I thought it could be cool just to start off by hearing about you know your current role and what you're working on.
2: Yeah, I am the founder of Dev2, an online community for software developers. I have two other awesome founders, Jess and Peter. And my role is really as, you know, the initial sort of founder, um, product, vision, and technical side of things. We all sort of share all the roles, but I, uh, I tend to do a lot of software development and a lot of listening and a lot of uh, patching in the details where you sort of just have to understand the history of the product and how things have come along and and just, you know, a bit of a do-it-all founder role.
0: <laughs> so for people who are listening who maybe aren't familiar with Dev2, how would you describe it?
2: So it's sort of like a uh, medium meets Reddit for software developers. So uh, it's a platform for for blogging, for sort of sharing your work, which is, is really critical for the software development career. Uh, I think uh, we all have an idea of what's going on in in our own sort of flow because of what people are sharing in their flows. Like we all sort of have to be marching together. So this is a really it's a product that really helps people um get an idea of, of where other people are at with their their development, their ideas, how they're going about their their work. There's the sort of Reddit uh, dynamic of uh, how following sub communities, how that all sort of comes together. Yeah, ultimately it's it's really. Uh, It's whatever the platform needs to evolve to be to really help developers feel like they're connected with one another, like they have an idea of what's going on in the industry.
0: Awesome. So, I mean, you're quite a prolific maker. You've launched six things on Product Hunt. You've done a bunch of projects on the internet. What was the story before Dev2? Like, what sort of like happened before this moment? And when did you kind of think, right, this is the project I'm going to focus on and build a team around?
2: Yeah, that's interesting. So I had been working as a co founder of a company called text.com. It was a student to student textbook exchange. You know, I was the sort of hired co founder and very much felt like a founder, but also felt like it wasn't necessarily like, my founding project the same way um you know my co-founders and this might feel although i think we're a little tighter to this together than than we've ever been with anything but that was a a company which uh really helped myself and and peter who's one of the co-founders on dev2 was uh was the original founder of that company and that's how i got involved in my real sort of professional software development entrepreneurship journey although i felt like uh I, you know, been doing it. I really feel like since I've been a kid. But that was my first. You know, I moved to New York from Canada to to do that, and that was my first gig. And we worked on that for a few years. We had a lot of progress. We had a lot of life, and and we were still really working on that when I started um, the Practical Dev Twitter account, which was just a side project with the idea that I just kind of wanted something casual to be doing, sort of sharing my ideas about software development. Same way that many software developers have a blog. I sort of created a, uh, sort of like a pseudonym. So it wasn't really, uh, my own voice. It was sort of a voice I created to discuss software development and to have a place to sort of put my blog posts, sort of share, share ideas. So it, it really started not as my next big make so much as, uh, as my next sort of little side project. It just so happened though that like as we, As a few sort of successes happened with the idea of what this could really become, if if I put a good amount of time into it, if things really turned out the right way, it just kept evolving. It it really pulled me in the direction. I didn't really have a lot of ideas for it, honestly, at the start.
0: I mean, I think definitely one of the biggest pieces of feedback I hear from the Product Hunt team and our community is just how approachable it is. I'm definitely like a code coding noob. I'm definitely not advanced and I certainly feel I think particularly sometimes as a woman in tech that there can feel like a lot of complexity around coding or what it is like to be an engineer and then it's so nice to find communities like Dev2, indie hackers, product Hunt, where people are various levels of their journey but more, more than that just open to like helping and sharing and learning and I guess you know what are your like thoughts like around some of the like narratives that exist in in tech especially around engineering cuz I personally get like frustrated by some of them and I I'm curious to hear your your thoughts.
2: Yeah, so software engineering really has a history of really being made for a certain sort of type of individual. Classically, I think uh the first people people to well, I mean, it's got kind of a long and storied history, but I think the the arc that we're really on right now is the idea that it's this certain type of introverted man uh, with a certain type of personality, which which really never never made any sense to me. I really never uh, felt like I fit in in a lot of software development communities, and just based on my personality and my other interests and and how it was and. And how I was very shy, but I didn't come off as like the right kind of shy. I mean, that's sort of complicated, but that's how I felt. But not so much that I just felt that way. But I at some point, it really clicked to me that if I felt this way as a uh someone who can blend in, if they feel like it, like if I really felt like stepping outside of my own personality, I didn't have a problem blending in. But a lot of people just don't just don't have that opportunity. Any and, and you know frankly, the majority of people. Most people uh, in this world really uh, do not come close to fitting the the stereotype that has been, you know, propped up and and the gatekeeping around it and everything. So
0: that kind of status quo of what a techie is or what an engineer is.
2: Yeah. And it was just, just to me, it strikes me as, as totally, totally useless and awful and inefficient way for our extremely important industry to conduct itself. We're quite, easily the most important industry in the world right now. Uh, We pretty much, you know, the classic idea that software development or software is eating the world because it's really how every other industry is, is operating these days. Uh, Software really runs like most industries one way or another. And we're allowing ourselves to be run in, in such a way that's like just harkens back to some, some sort of old fashioned gatekeeping narrative that, that just we need to get rid of this. It's a lot of insider behavior that that just isn't healthy for anyone or the industry or or really anything. So a lot of uh, moments where I was able to really connect with this idea and then take it outside of my own head and really see that sort of behavior everywhere in the industry. Enough of that really, uh, you know, was enough to make this whole idea of very important.
0: That's awesome. I'm curious to know, like, rewinding a bit, how you got into coding.
2: I mean, the very first time I did any kind of coding, really, was uh, my friend, Mike, in junior high, created a GeoCities.
0: Oh, GeoCities. I remember GeoCities.
2: Yeah, he made a page for his band. And that was really a a remarkable moment to me because I I thought it was the coolest thing ever that people are allowed to do that stuff. Like (laughs) it didn't occur to me that it was possible, uh, as a 12 or 13 year old to create a computer program that ran on the internet. And, uh, it, it really blew my mind. And that was when I got pretty into it. And it's not like I've been into it ever since I kind of grew out of it, got other interests. Like I didn't really fully get into software development for real until after college. But it's it'd been like a part of my narrative for most of my life. And, and even before that, computers played a certain type of role in my life in a way that I was pretty fascinated by. It was GeoCities early on. And I feel like I'm still doing the same stuff that I was when I was young, that I was doing when I was younger. Dev2 is so much like some of the projects I tried to pull off when I was around that age in, in terms of, you know, in terms of uh, simple websites for my friends, you know,
0: Yeah, I remember GeoCities very well. My best friend and I during secondary school, well, we call it secondary school in the UK, high school in America, we made a Josh Hartnett fan site. (laughs) (laughs) I remember my day being made when a comment from someone I didn't know showed up on the homepage. Someone like we didn't know was like, wow, this is a really cool site. And I was like, wow, the power of the internet. Um, So yeah, I remember GeoCities super well. That actually explains your, your personal website. Your personal website is definitely like a harken back to the olden times, the early web, the 2000s web.
2: Yeah, I had a very like polished, simple, professional website for a while. And then one night I really just felt like I needed to do away with that and make it uh, as much a window into my soul as I could. So so yeah, com is full of absolutely terrible everything. But it's also... Uh, it's responsive. It's, it loads quickly. It's got a lot of good things going on from a development perspective. But the idea that it's a, uh, it's a little bit of, of something else. You can really do anything you want on the web. It's a really fascinating platform. Like anything you can hear or visualize or really anything is, is possible. It's just our imagination. So that was a, a bit of a creative experiment to um, push uh, what I felt like doing as far as I could.
0: Amazing community is something that's huge for Product Hunt. We are one. A lot of our makers are community leaders themselves. I wanted to hear a bit about your approach to moderation. Um, specifically, I wanted to start with like one of the more challenging things. Dev2 is a forum where people of you know different levels of experience are coming together, like you said, sharing stories, sharing lessons, seeking advice, seeking connection. How do you handle negativity when it appears on the platform? This is something that We have a debate about at Product Hunt all the time. You have makers launching their product to the world for the first time. Some of them are, you know, in their teens coding for the first time. And I think while, you know, constructive criticism is really valuable, there's also just like a certain type of negativity that doesn't necessarily help. How have you approached that in your moderating?
2: Yes. So I I really think the first and the biggest thing we can do to have a good impact is to lead by example. When we lead by example in terms of, of good, positive criticism create in the community. We want to have light handed guidelines in terms of how things like um, reposting of the same sort of content is is handled, where, you know, on a lot of on a lot of forums and stuff, there's a lot of really sort of chaotic jerks who really run the place and just having a bit of self awareness that that's, that's not the kind of community we want to have. But also from that point, um, allowing people a certain amount of negativity to sort of creep in, if it's in the right sense, I think we've certainly allowed people to um, rant a little bit, to be themselves, to express themselves. But then, if if anybody is really stepping over the line, being unnecessarily a jerk about about anything, we really try to build a platform that doesn't really reward that kind of behavior. So
0: right. So what would happen? What would be like the consequence of that?
2: Yeah, so we have a privilege tier in terms of users who have been on the platform long enough. And it's not all people we universally agree with, but just people we generally feel like they sort of understand the mechanics of the platform. They have the capacity to to basically downvote things, which isn't different from... Reddit or or anywhere else, but it's actually not a behavior we give to everyone. So we sort of you know you can send hearts and send sort of reactions, but if you're at a moderation tier, you can you can give a negative reaction, which sort of bubbles up, and then uh, admins we we sort of quickly get alerted to sort of conversations we can jump in on, and we we try to be understanding of everyone involved, but we we also try to immediately let the original Author of something, let them know that like we came across something which was unnecessarily harsh or negative, or uh, yeah, be careful like when we when we talk about like how we describe things. And then ultimately, uh, we don't really strive for perfection, but we strive for some consistency and some and, and improvement over time. And we really uh, build a lot of software that helps us act the right way. So like it, I think it would have been easy to create a system that doesn't where like, it be- gets out of control as we scale. There's too many different conversations we're trying to keep track of. But it really is a system where um, people who really get it are fairly empowered to help the community be positive influence on everyone's lives. And-, and it really snowballs. So we have sort of developed relationships with folks on the platform who have really done most of the work, who, who jump into conversations when it's appropriate to do so. It didn't just happen by accident. We, we really tried to foster this sort of stuff by example. And anytime we try to create something new, some kind of new behavior or anything, we really try to do it by leading the way and being good ourselves and then rewarding those who get it, who, who share our understanding of, of what a good community needs to be. And then we, we build good software, which uh, which helps us take the appropriate actions. And it's um, not always as good as it needs to be, but we're always, always improving and always listening and, and, and just trying to treat this as our job, like something we really care about and, and not, not anything that's like secondary or we wish wouldn't be a problem or, or anything.
0: Let's talk about uh, some of the points you mentioned just now. So we kind of started with negativity, but you, you spoke about people in the community who are really engaged. They're not, technically on your team, but they contribute a lot. You also mentioned, you know, how you lead by example, when you try to create new behavior and reward the community members that actually engage with that. It Product Hunt, one of the things that we measure are things like, you know, engagement and contributions. And that's really important in other communities as well. So how do you go about trying to, like you say, create new behaviors, whether that relates to growth or engagement what are some of the like tests you've done in the past or things you've tried to do and and how have they succeeded if you were to kind of like share that strategy with a maker out there listening trying to copy
2: so so we changed like features on the platform and we you know we test some some of those outcomes but there's so much you can do just by leaving a certain kind of comment and leaving a having a certain kind of like behavior kind of um, grow and and the become uh, a bigger behavior, so you see this on Twitter all the time. You know, like the idea of a, of a meme or of 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 anything. Like just in the past, I don't know, six months on Twitter, it's become really popular to sort of turn your own name on the platform into some sort of joke or some. You know, every space of one of these platforms is going to be used uh, creatively. So we try not to like be super duper scientific a- about it, but we've observed enough in the past that you know, like our accounts which get a lot of visibility on the platform. If we consistently put out good things, other people are going to do that. And one example is, um, I'm always fascinated by how many people end their posts with the phrase "happy coding." I assume that's because I was doing it. That's like kind of how I end my posts, and um, it's become a thing on the platform. That like if you're if you don't have anything else to say at the as the last sentence of your post, you say "happy coding." And that's what you I'm, yeah, I'm amazed by that. And I sort of lifted that off someone who said something similar to and they like you know their their posts i think like a few years ago i was like oh yeah it's like such a pleasant way to do it and it just spreads and, and it can't possibly be a coincidence but i'm always amazed like this concept this idea of of simply saying happy coding at the end of your post no matter what is um is now like a a community thing and i haven't like spoken to anyone in the community about whether why they do that or or don't do it just by demonstrating um you know pro-social behavior uh most people take pretty kindly to all that and and it's been it's been really great to see
0: that's awesome so at product Hunt, um we have like a few values that we hold ourselves and our community accountable to things like empathy integrity um being kitchenish stuff like that like Does Dev2 have any sort of like guiding principles, North Stars, or values that you hold yourselves accountable to and you try to hold the community members accountable to?
2: Yeah, so I would say based on personalities of the founders, we tend to be a little bit more abstract that the platform should be constructive and the conversation should be constructive. So as a social media platform, as a screen that people are going to be um, spending time on, it, it's really worth being constructive, like helping people become better software developers or happier software developers or anything that's that's going to push them forward just a, a little bit is worth shooting for. When we look at platforms, you know, like maybe Instagram, it's hard to say that it's always designed to be constructive. It's kind of uh, designed to be addictive. And, and we're not really looking to be addictive, you know, like that would be a really bad outcome if if people had to come back to the site just to kind of get a bit of a get a bit of a rush or something like that and um so we tend to really in discourse in the kind of things we we try to put out there uh constructiveness is really what we what we really come back to if someone's if someone's not behaving well on the platform and we have a lot of specific guidelines within our code of conduct but generally if they're not doing well it's because they're not being constructive they're not actually being helpful. They're not actually being uplifting. They're not actually getting their point across.
0: I was going to say the point around um, constructive conversations is a really powerful one because it's so easy for exchanges online to immediately be like reduced to something binary or bilateral or just like me against you. And yeah, like you said, ultimately, it is like a forum for people building careers and like learning skills. On that point, I was kind of wondering, if Dev2, you know, continues to grow, grow really fast all over the world over the next few years, what would look different in the software engineer world as a result of that?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. So I think if we really nail it and we really do a good job with everything we're doing. I think the way people evaluate their careers is going to be just a bit different. I think there's going to be a little bit more shared understanding of what individuals bring to the table in terms of their software skills. So you see a lot of content in software development, and we don't not publish this stuff if people are writing about it, but we, we don't see it as necessarily a positive thing. Um, people talking about the job interview, like the process, the the sort of games you have to play to, to move up and to change your career. And and then the, the idea that it's so strictly about your trivial understanding of, of software development concepts, as opposed to your ability to proactively be helpful, to really understand the greater picture. And I think as a platform that really pushes the idea that people share... Um, what they do know about software, what they don't know about software and everything in between. I think the world becomes a little bit less confrontational, less about like, you know, you did or didn't get the job. You did or didn't know this thing. You know, people are allowed to explore the nuances, admit a little bit more what they don't know and and generally be, you know, working on a, a, a more understandable journey like not feeling like they're just floating around um, trying to kind of grasp at what the next trends are or what they might need to know or or how they might need to interview or or things like that really sort of let people do the type of software development that is most fulfilling to them and and when people share and then they, they get feedback and then they they read and they they immerse themselves with the kind of conversation without, without all this gatekeeping, I think more people feel like they have a place.
0: That's so, so powerful. The thing that really resonates with me in that is that idea of like self-evaluation. I think what your platform is doing based on what you say is like this opportunity to become like more self-aware in like what one enjoys and finds rewarding and then getting that input to strengthen one's skill in that, you know, space, whatever it might be. I also agree that as time goes on, people as we link our work to our identities will definitely care a lot more about, you know, the work that they do and how how they evaluate success in it. Success isn't like how much I earn or what car I drive, etc. It's like how am I changing the world? How am I making it a better place? I mean, there's also like a bunch of research that shows this too. Like for the millennial generation, the number one thing that most people are trying to achieve in their careers is some kind of social impact. So I think that's really, really interesting. I'm curious, like on a personal level, if there are things that you do to improve your self-awareness and get a better understanding of the work that you find fulfilling and the things that you want to do with your time and with your life.
2: Yeah, that, that's interesting. I think for a while before I got started with this project in particular, the way I, as- I expressed that was really by being a maker, you know, sort of, I think a lot of folks in the product and community would probably feel the same way is that they find themselves through their work and through their, their projects. And every new thing they build is is an opportunity to express this latest idea. But one of my big revelations with getting deep into Dev 2 is that I uh, didn't really want to be spinning up new things all the time. So so anytime I have a feeling of, of needing to change direction or address any big issues in, in, in my own personal development and things like that, uh, I tend to do it by escaping the software development and making space all together. So sort of the opposite of of how I used to be by leaning in. These these days I, I try to escape a little bit and when I come back I really feel better sense of, you know, awareness in terms of the task at hand.
0: What would be any kind of like productivity hacks or life hacks that you would share? You spend a lot of time online, managing a huge community, managing a team, working with your co founders. What are what are the productivity hacks that you rely on?
2: Yeah, actually, if there's one thing, I would say that I don't really work on a laptop very much anymore. I have a single desk situation with one big monitor and uh, and a lot of consistency there. I used to definitely dream of the notion of, you know, working from wherever or like, you know, like really being flexible. And I've kind of retreated to the idea that I want the opposite of that in my productivity sense or professional sense. So like, you know, occasionally I'll go to the coffee shop or something, but I really I really strive for consistency these days. So I have a uh home office set up and I no longer really come to the office that much, which we really wanted to establish as something we do as a company. And I know Product Hunt has a has a similar sort of distributed
0: Yeah, we're a distributed team as well. We work remote.
2: Yeah, so we really wanted to live that for a couple reasons. One, that we're a distributed community of software developers. And we really wanted to work directly with the community as much as we possibly could. Sort of puts the community on par with us.
0: That's cool. So if there's a founder out there or any sort of team leader who's still trying to debate whether or not to go down that route of having a distributed team and, and letting their team work remote, what would you say to that person based on the experiences you've had now to help them kind of make the decision?
2: I would say that it's a good idea, but it's not going to be something you get right at first. So you're going to have to be accepting of it being a gradual thing that you don't give up on, but you also don't just jump in and do without the expectation that anything's going to go wrong. So I feel like we've learned a lot along the way. Uh, we've picked up things from other people. And because I had this started this as a side project, it was really a, the best time ever to, you know, establish good practices early on. So like, that's kind of why I think we're successful is that like, you know, I was sort of working on this on my own, we weren't really in a hurry to get started. We didn't take on this, like, you know, big seed capital or anything, like, we had some time to work it out.
0: That's awesome. So how many people are in your team altogether now, including you and your co-founders?
2: Yeah, uh, as of today, who we just had our one new person join, we're up to 8 people.
0: Cool, awesome. One of the things that I often hear speaking to founders who especially like in the early stages of a startup, you know, those kind of first 5 years and stuff. They're like, how do you maintain that like trust and, you know, communication when um when you're not remote. I mean for us we have weekly meeting every Monday on Zoom. We all share what we're working on, what we're doing. We're on Slack all the time. We actually don't really use internal emails like we just have dedicated channels on Slack for all the specific things we're working on or the specific teams and everything's there. We have our Giphy integration, so <laughs> a lot of gifs going around. What are the things that you have like consistently like committed to and either how you interact with each other or, or communicate with each other to make sure that the trust within all eight of you is always there
2: yeah so i think we try to be pretty deliberate about what rules are important and which ones don't really matter or when there's really no rules so we try to be very strict about being on time for meetings and and if people are having trouble we try to identify like why it's kind of difficult to come to meetings on time and stuff and people have different reasons like we only have three, like, real main meetings we even do per week. Um, and those are the only ones with, with real strict guidelines. But we just ask that everyone shows up on time. In every other facet, though, we do not have that kind of expectation about about presence, about, like, having to keep people, like, super-duper up-to-date about what you're doing or where you are or what you're working on. So, like, we try to give a very long leash in most capacities, but we don't let that consume everything we do. You know, I think the reason people... <laughs> have a hard time sometimes being on time for meetings in the first place is that everyone has so much agency over when they can start their day or when they're doing something. So if we say the meetings are at 11am, people somehow, you know, find a way to not get on t- to their computer on time, even though like, otherwise, they might have been fine getting up at being fully online by 9am or something. So like, you know, people have are very good at figuring out a way to, like, extend the leash as far as it can go. So we generally, like, don't really care, you know, where people are, what they're doing, how long they get back to each other, how long it takes like, for them to get back to each other. But we have a few times where we really care and we have a lot of rules around it. So so I think that that dynamic really plays. And, like, just today we started a new policy where we officially start those important meetings 15 minutes early which gives people the time to either chat about, you know, non-work stuff or get their audio video set up, you know, like before it becomes meeting time. So just the idea of like, you know, really being on things when we're together and really letting people get deep into their work and figure things out when when we're apart.
0: That's awesome. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts like one of the bigger stories happening in 2019 in the world of founders, startups, entrepreneurship is around like burnout and and mental health. What are the things I mean, you've already spoken a bit around like the way you create like boundaries and like consistency, you know, you've got your computer at your desk in your home office, and you don't bring your laptop with you so that when you're outside, you're outside. And that's pretty cool. What are some of the ways that you like as a leader, try to like without obviously impeding in people's lives too much, because you know, they are a distributed team, just try to make sure that people aren't overworking and do have a healthy balance?
2: So in addition to being a distributed team as one of the things we really wanted to do when we started the company, when Jess and Peter and I really started, you know, treating this like a true company, was that we wanted to avoid the singular concept of what we have labeled. um I'm not sure we came up with this, but I think I heard it one time on um, button seat syndrome, where people will stay working, even if they're no longer being super productive. So you know we really try to encourage the notion that if you're just fried or not feeling it or or for literally any reason you can just sign off and you know let people know like I'm done working for the day and for people to encourage that and to we really it's not enough just to have that as a policy but we really try to proactively you know encourage it and and us as founders like we need that stuff like we burn out as hard as anybody so that's something we needed ourselves and, and we needed it to be a policy. There's going to be days where any of us, uh, you know, work a really long day or we're really into it and we, we're enjoying a long day and we want to kind of finish up this project or, you know, occasionally we'll have a, a true deadline that can't really be missed or anything and we'll have to have to work to, to hit it or something. But if that was the case normally, but then we didn't have this other other end of the spectrum where you're allowed to just be honest about not really into it these like right now like I'm feeling burnt out I'm just uh, I'm just headed home I don't need to give an answer or I'm signing off for the day or anything like that you know it's really easy to drop into a pattern where that's maybe what you say but not something you do so we try to remind people of that consistently
0: I love that one of my friends works for a company like that they have like duvet days so you can just not show up and be like, I'm taking my duvet day. And then you can stay in bed or you know do whatever you need to do. I hope more companies will do that. I think ultimately, when people are doing work that they like, they'll always find a way to get done what they need to get done and take ownership of what you know they should be accountable for. So yeah, I like that. I love, yeah, I like that idea of giving people the flexibility. And also like the trust to know when they're not okay, and they're not going to be super productive. And then like allowing them the space to recover. That's pretty cool. Right? Well, you know, being the product hunt community, we can't really have a conversation without asking you about your favorite products. So I'm curious, starting out with your home. Are you a smart home kind of guy? Do you have an Alexa, Google Home, Google Assistant, smart fridge, smart bed? Who knows?
2: Yeah, so like, I I am I I ordered an Alexa, like I pre ordered it. So I got the very first one and I still own it. And I have like, I have three others now. So, so like, I am, but I also, it's more out of, like, a curiosity because I don't, like, love the technology, like, as it currently stands in a lot of ways. But I find it to be one of the most interesting fields in Internet of Things or whatever. So... Yeah, so I have connected light bulbs and and, and that sort of stuff, but it's a uh, it's a work in progress and I, I I've written my own some of my own code for that sort of stuff. They're actually like remarkably simple to code against so like you can write code which turns them on and off like which you may or may not need but it's, it's interesting to have that full capacity of control as opposed to, you know, just the interfaces that smart speakers give you and stuff so
0: What's on your home screen and what are the apps you can't live without?
2: I think LastPass is really critical, or or my password manager. Uh, Anyone who's not making use of a password manager, I really think, is not living their digital life to the fullest.
0: (laughs) I love that. Quote of the podcast.
2: The Tile app actually has been awesome. It's a little device that you attach to your keys. I actually use the Measure app a lot now that it's, it's gotten tremendously useful. If I need to like measure the length of a rug or something, I feel like I actually have a pretty accurate measuring device in my pocket at all times, which is very cool. You know, as a technical person, sometimes you're shocked at how long things take to become a thing. But this is an example of where it's like the quality of this product really caught me off guard.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Are there any like tech trends that you are keeping an eye on that you are excited about?
2: So the, the couple trends that I'm most really invested in, like uh, in terms of the the macro things we're really staking uh, the future of our company to, which in terms of tech trends is the stuff that's most important to me, are open source as uh, how software development is built. Our lead investor is a company, uh, an investment firm called OSS Capital. They really do commercial open source as their primary investment we open source about 99.9% of the code we write and as a trend that's that's probably one of the most amazing things i see out there right now i feel like we are at the forefront in terms of open source still being enough of a novelty that it's like important these days but it's mature enough that it's that it's not too much of a novelty so we're we're right at a point where that as a wave is something we want to catch and we want to keep leaning into as much as possible and, and we're really built on, on open source product hunt and dev two are built on the same open source framework. And we use a lot of the same technology and it's all, it's all free and we all contribute to it. It goes a lot further than just sort of the underlying tech. I think like, you know, I, I would appreciate if the smart listening device in my home was open source as opposed to the Alexa or Google Assistant predominantly closed source technology. I look forward to hopefully a future where open source displaces a lot of closed source stuff, uh, the way it did with the operating systems, the way Linux really um, overtook Windows as the primary sort of server operating system. The really, you know, the the stuff doing most of the world's computing is is Linux as opposed to Windows, and that's a that's a trend that probably gets me the most excited. And then the other thing that kind of goes along with that a little bit is um, data portability and data sovereignty a little bit. So. The idea that people have more control and agency over their own data and, and, and fewer, um, centralized monopolistic data gatherers. Facebook's had a lot of problems with data, like leak, either, either it's leaks or, you know, misuses of, of people's personal data. I'm not an absolutist on that front. But in terms of trends, I think it needs to improve. And I think you see a lot of decentralization talk in terms of blockchain and stuff like that. And and I certainly see why that's important in a sense. But I also think the technical implementation is less obviously tied to blockchain so much as it is tied to, um, you know, just what companies are doing and how they're doing it and how they're letting go of control of people's Data and doing less tracking and, you know, just being a little bit more minimalistic about some of that stuff. So it's been sort of a value from, from early on in this project because we never felt like we needed to, to track every behavior of everyone on our platform. And we still haven't found reasons why we really needed to, to track anything more than the minimal amount of, of information that helps us build a decent product. We don't want to hoard data and we, we hope other people won't either, um, even though for the last decade that's been central to, to technology. we I, I hope that the trend reverses a little bit and we're going to certainly try to push to be good about that process.
0: I definitely hear you on that. I, unfortunately, I can't remember the name of the product. Someone was trying to like create kind of like local internet. So, like, instead of having to like go onto the World Wide Web or whatever, but they were kind of saying like, you know, cre- like connecting like via local network so that you can be more in control of like who can see what you're doing and what you're where you're going and stuff like that. I, I just wonder how you kind of see that second trend actually like actualizing in the real world. Like, what would that look like to you?
2: Yeah, well, there's really so much we can do with networking and so to that like uh, my tile tiles speak to other tiles in terms of how they discover their whereabouts and stuff like that and I, ha- I haven't looked into every detail about how they work but i'm pretty sure it's it's a mesh network so it's it's that if a city is has enough tiles in it all the tiles can sort of talk to each other and, and know their whereabouts and, and communicate in a sense and uh and that's a kind of technology that's surprisingly underutilized. I think peer to peer technology obviously makes use of some of those concepts, but there's so much more we can do and so much more that can become mainstream. But I don't, I don't know if the end users are ever going to have to care that much about it in terms of the networking, but there's definitely different trends that will come and go. And it's not so much progress as in terms of, in terms of like just what's. Interesting these days, I think. If anything, networking has become less of an important custom thing that people care about because the uh, internet has become <laughs> so popular. So networking itself was, if anything, it was like a more creative few decades ago. But as, in, with regards to the data, we are looking to build more technology with data sharing, but like without being fully centralized. So we have our. You know, main dev two as an application. And we're actually looking into the, the different ways since the whole application is open source, the different ways other people can stand up their own um, little mini social networks and they can therefore control all the data. They like, they own it. They own everything about it. We don't, we don't own anything except the, you know, a certain sense of code licensing. You know, we're not like staking our core business model on this, but as a side effect of what we do, it's going to be something that's um, that's really technically exciting. And, yeah, it's it's actually kind of harkening back to how things used to be before before the one forum everyone used was, you know, like Twitter or before the it's not like there's literally one thing. But, you know, between Facebook and, and Twitter and, and other sort of major organizations in in other places and then Google and, and stuff like that. So like there's really been a centralization of data which didn't used to be the case and I don't think has to be the case forever. And we're, you know, excited to break some of that up. And to to just limit the individual power anyone can have over the data, but really enhance the power they can have over the the application layer, like what they can what they can offer people, how they can help build, you know, constructive applications, like things that, that we try to deliver um, in, a, in a really narrow sense, but allow people to, you know, do that themselves with, with ownership over the whole project and not as, as a wing in our own company, but as a, as a partnership with, with anybody who wants to take, make use of the technology.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for clarifying. Okay, cool. So we've come to the end. This is your chance to tell everyone listening where to find you, what they can do to support Dev2, floor is yours.
2: You can see anything I'm, I'm writing about mostly on Dev2 slash Ben. And you can find me on Twitter at Ben D. Halpern. But then if you want to get involved, I would say jump right in and be enthusiastic in the community. Um, I think asking questions at the end of blog posts on Dev2 is, is one of the most interesting things people can do. So, you know, think of it like a each blog post being sort of a conference talk. And it's your opportunity to ask a follow-up question. And authors are usually, you know, very receptive to expanding on what they're talking about. And it's actually... And, and by asking those questions, you learn a lot because you kind of have to... You have to sort of know enough about what the author is saying to, like, ask the right question. And usually that's just a matter of reading really carefully. So, like, if, if you're not engaging on that, on that secondary sort of action, on that, like, really immersive behavior... I think there's a chance that you sort of skip over some of the the interesting parts of, of what people are saying and not reading carefully enough but if you really look to engage and to ask you know follow-up questions and to f- learn more and to like go on a bit of a tangent you're gonna learn a lot in the process so uh, for your sake and for the community's sake I, I'd say like you know join up on the community find search for interesting posts that you care about and and ask some questions in the comment section and then, Obviously, anyone's welcome to post anything they'd like, um, cross post from their own blog is normal behavior from on the site. What we really offer is people, you know, a consistent reading experience that that they're not really going to get on the blogosphere, you know, so it's a great way to get your work out there if, if you're if you're a writer and if you're more of a consumer or more of a A newer programmer or just, you know, don't have as much to say like on your own, but but you can get involved in the conversation and really have a pretty big impact on the software community on our platform.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for giving us your time, Ben. Um, We really appreciate having you.
1: Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, share the podcast with your friends on Twitter and tag a guest you'd like to hear in a future episode. See you soon.